So welcome to Meanderings with Trudy, the podcast with Angie Arndt. Hello. Hi, Trudy. Hi, Hi everybody else. Hi, everybody else. It's a beautiful spring day here. Uh, it feels, well, the leaves are finally, the, the view out my window is finally turning from naked trees to trees with, you know, not not baby buds anymore. They're, they're with, we've had a bit of sun finally, and the leaves are halfway halfway there to being full there's a certain color of leaves at this time of the year don't you find yeah 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 it's a green that never it lasts about a week and then yeah it's oh, like, chartreuse it called... is that uh is that the is that the no, uh, no? probably i don't know i don't know, know. I, it's... I call it baby baby green <laughs> baby green is a good word for it yeah 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 absolutely baby green yeah yeah and angie was just talking about about her drawer oh her, yeah her desk drawer yeah. Yeah, tell me about that. That's that's a good uh, spring thing, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah, I I, I hesitate to associate it with spring cleaning though, because it's a. It, it, I require it more than once a year. Uh huh. But I oh. have a desk drawer, and and, and you know that um, it's it's a mindfulness practice. My desk is actually an old. Um, what do you call a makeup table or a you know? Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Something you know used to have a vanity. Thank vanity you table. The, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Vanity yeah. table. And uh, it was an antique that came with the house when we moved in. So I mm. painted it and put drawers. And, and it's a beautiful desk. And it's a, it's a perfect writing desk. because It's a nice size for that. It's yeah. it's not good for computers and all the modern uh, accoutrement that mm-hmm. we may have. Mm-hmm. But, but it's a good for writing. And so I don't sit at it often because now I'm on my computer more these days, mm-hmm. you know, doing stuff like this. And, sure. and working. So I have another table for that. Anyway, that's a, that's a side bar. But my middle desk drawer then gets more cluttered than normal. In my middle desk drawer, it's about, well, maybe two inches deep and uh, 18 inches. I mean, two inches, yeah, yeah deep and uh, deep inches and long and, long. and yeah, maybe yeah. a couple feet wide. So mm-hmm. it's a normal like middle desk drawer. And in that mm-hmm. middle desk drawer, it should have, you know, a couple pens and some tape and maybe my stapler and a little set of earbuds so that I can find them and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the things yeah. you're going to need. Yeah, the sure, things sure. you're going to need, like paper, pen, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and so I went to grab something right before you and I got on, and I opened the desk drawer, which it barely opened because it's so full. So I had to jam <laughs> it open. And I, I'm turning around right now. I haven't closed it yet, and I can see um, a, a, a remote control to a TV that I don't even think we have anymore. Mm-hmm. I I don't mm-hmm. know. There's a dead battery. There's some essential oil in there. There's a bunch of matches, but no matchbook to light them on. Um, there are pens. There are some pens. There's a greeting card. I don't know who it's from. There's, what is this? A box of paper clips that I don't, yeah, some old COVID masks. There's an inhaler that's not mine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's time. Markers yeah. that are dried up. Yeah. And there's probably dead flies in there and stuff too, you know. I, yeah. Any anyway. dog treats? Nothing like that? Your dogs oh. are pretty big, so they'd be big treats, I guess. Nothing useful like that in there. Oh, yeah. there's another dead battery. Uh, yeah. So, oh, what is that? That is, oh, uh, I don't know. Anyhow, it's, <laughs> it, it is, um, it, it's an excavation. So when the desk gets full like that, what I like to do is pull it out. And then I like to take everything out and spread it in front of me so I can actually see mm-hmm. what has cluttered up that desk. Mm. Because instead of just going through it and sorting and dumping and, and getting on with it, I use it as a mindfulness practice. Mm-hmm. And 
So I take everything out and I look and I see all the things that have that I have stuffed in there to deal with later. Mm-hmm. Not unlike life and you know, all the stuff that I stuff away to, I'll just deal with that later. I'll just deal with that later. I'll just mm-hmm. deal with that later. And mm-hmm. so the desk drawer, it really is symbolic of my life, how much stuff gets cluttered up. Mm-hmm. So I use this as a practice. I lay everything out and I thank it <laughs> and I laugh. And I throw throw away the things that need thrown away. And I put the things away that go actually somewhere else, somewhere else. Mm. Um, and I do then I wipe it out and I put back in there the things that need to be in there. Mm. And then I take a handful of other things and I put it in the junk drawer out in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> later. Another drawer to do later. <laughs> another, another drawer to deal with some yeah. other day. Yeah, yeah, uh, because, yeah. you know, you just it. And then for a little while, it'll be lovely, but then life will get busy again. And, sure. you know, I'll have a client come in or I'll be you know, hurrying up to do something and I'll just stuff stuff in there to deal with later. And mm. so it is so symbolic of my life. I can't, you know, as I do it, I just laugh about all the stuff. You know, I need to make a phone call that I don't want to make. Yeah. Well, I'll deal with that later. Mm. And pretty soon that's cluttering up. Oh, I want to, oh, but, uh you know, if you just lay it out and look at it and deal with it. And yeah. sometimes I stuff, I still stuff things away to deal with later. But yeah. Anyway, yeah. it's a very long way of saying yeah. it's time to do that exercise again. Sure. So. Well, we all do that, right? I mean, like, absolutely. T- t- today's topic is, is soulfulness and how mm-hmm. we shine when we show up. And mm-hmm. um, we got on the call here and I've had a, I don't know, kind of a runaround busy morning for no apparent reason. Uh, yeah. And I didn't uh, build in my, my usual 20 minutes of meditation. I didn't get Mm -hmm. my walk in for Mm -hmm. my 30 minutes or more. Um, Mm -hmm. And I arrive feeling kind of frazzled because, you know, essentially I stuffed those things in the drawer for later. Mm -hmm. And, and that is, that is sort of a great analogy for our life. And it's an analogy too, for the soul work that, that we do, that we feel called to, but we, for whatever reason, don't get to always in the way we want to. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. yeah, as you were saying that, just something popped up is that normally, or at least the last few times you and I have hopped on this to record the podcasts to invite other people to listen in. Mm-hmm. We start off and we are laughing mm-hmm. and we always say, hi, well, we're laughing again. Ha ha ha. So dear listener, if you have heard us before you will today, we didn't start off laughing. No, uh, there was a sense of, oh, and so, yeah. There's a lightness that comes with um, making space. There's a yeah. lightness that comes with decluttering. And mm-hmm. to talk about soul, I mean, you you did say when we first popped on, you know, we're talking soulfulness today. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to distinguish between spirit and soul, if I could, just for a sure. second. Because those two words get so, spirituality and soulfulness can be conflated so easily soul and spirit you know in in religious terms are often talked about interchangeably like Mm -hmm. we we are filled with spirit or we have a soul or the thing that shines in us or whatever that is but the way i like to see it is that spirit spirituality tending the spirit all those things are kind of those transcendent moments you know spirit is that sense of uh away from it all and it's good to get away. We, mm-hmm. You and I have also talked about this, how good it is to get a change of scenery every now and then. Just yeah. so it's not the same also that the things around you don't become just wallpaper or drudgery or things that you have to do because it's so easy to see just the the normal everyday tasks of life mm-hmm. as 
And it's not just things, it's people too, right? Relationships, right? Particularly people work. Yeah. Uh, In the last, in the last three years, we've all spent a lot of time in fits and starts at home. So our partner, our children are the people that we see every day uh, that we are seeing more intensely because we're not getting out as much. And now that we're allowed to get out, a lot of us don't get out. And so, so there's that too, right? And, And there's that familiarity. And then with that comes the the lack of care, the lack of tending to the relationship that yeah. can come from just seeing the same old, same old all the time. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So when you intentionally mm-hmm. take some time out to see things, whether you go on a mountaintop retreat or whether you go on a 10-day silent, I don't remember what those are called, but the silent retreat, the Buddhist silent mm-hmm. retreat. Yeah. Whether you just you know what, I'm just going to drive to the next town over and sit in a different cafe and watch people different. Whatever that is to, you know, spark something. Sparking is so important. And it's like a transcendent moment. It's like, I think spirituality are those, those moments when everything just seems to shine. Like I call them, I could die right now and I would be okay with that moment. You know, it's like, Take me now. It's like nothing can be better than this. It's that sense of just pure love or pure joy or pure connection. Mm-hmm. And we've had sometimes it's music that does that. You go to a, a concert and there are songs that just, oh, you know, like I could die right now and I would be happy. Mm-hmm. It, like my life feels complete. Mm-hmm. It could be a great dinner. It could be, it could be a, a religious experience. Um in the traditional sense of the word, or it, it could, could be, be a, a sunset, a religious, or a, yeah, it could be a religious experience in the non-traditional sense of the word. Yeah. Right? And, and I guess that's what it is: is it's a religious experience to think I am complete right now in this moment. It's okay, and we have those moments. We don't, and they last just a, a flash, usually. Like mm-hmm. they don't last very long because we're not aware of them as they're happening. It's just this pure joy, pure connection, per pure beauty, pure wonder, pure love, pure everything. And this is what we're calling a spiritual experience. A spiritual experience. Which is not necessarily big R religion in any way. It is absolutely little R. Being present in that moment to what you're experiencing, whatever it is, and how that touches your soul. And this is the distinction that you're making. Distinction. So then the spiritual experience, they they can't last forever because they're just a high. I mean, they are just like... Mm. They are just like you're walking on clouds and everything is transcendent and translucent and shiny. Well, there's real world stuff. You still have to wash the dishes. You still have to walk the dog. You still have to clean the dog shit out of the yard. I mean, there's still laundry to do. There's, you know, we've been getting a lot of rain here and people around here have been getting rain in their basements and like there's, there's life that happens. Mm-hmm. So the spiritual moments are like zaps, like they're, they're supercharged, like zaps of, oh, breathing and wonder and all that spirituality soul is the everyday awareness of the i'm going to use a religious word but it's the sacredness of life and by sacred i don't mean it's something to be set on a shelf and never touched i mean like just to be revered like you get your hands dirty with it but you realize what a gift it is tending of the soul is just the everyday ordinary as you're doing the laundry, you're aware that somebody probably in China made this shirt and you're grateful for that person and that somebody else picked the cotton or wove the silk to make that shirt. And you're aware of a connection. And there's just 
moments of gratitude. It's it's a soulfulness is the everyday, ordinary. I am uber connected with life, and it's not a transcendent going above and be like I'm leaving this life to find a jolt of love. It's like right now in the grit and the dirt. I feel like I'm part of something. And those moments are also um, difficult because we go so fast. Both spirituality and soulfulness require a slowing down and an attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but the spirituality is like that away from and the soulfulness is in the midst of. the. And, and we need both. We need both. I believe that we often crave the spirituality because it's like a high. It's like... Mm-hmm. It's like uh, marathon runners who run to get the runners high. Well, like you it's said, like, it's a jolt, right? So it's a jolt. So it's, a, it's, like, it's a pick me up. It's an endorphin hit. It's a. It's right. a. This is it's amazing. People, right. It, uh, it's. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it. There's people who do um, holotropic breath work that experience this mm-hmm. pure elation. like bliss, blissed yeah. out elation, yeah. and it is so addictive. It's so addictive. We think that that is what it is to be human that's what it is to be holy that's what it is to feel fulfilled Mm -hmm. and then we just go after it It becomes an addictive thing instead of a it doesn't teach us how to live with life as it is it gives us a desire to escape life as it is well it it can but it it can can. it can also bring for me uh, when i've had those experiences i've had such a rush of gratitude i mean i think i've i've I've, uh i've told you before about a particular um, experience that I had now, this is probably mm, 15, 17 years ago, rowing on the Ottawa mm-hmm. river and how it was just one of those mornings that the light was golden and amazing. The sun was coming up right up over my shoulder. Yeah. So every time I checked my course, I was, I was blinded mm-hmm. in by it, but not, um, not in a bad way because <laughs> yeah. it was early enough that it wasn't that, it wasn't that bright yet. And yeah the herons were on the side of the river and I, I was silent, but for the drip, drip, drip of, of my oar and the Mm. sound of the bubbles on the hull of the boat. Like, and to this day that gives me, um, just a, just a really warm sense inside my heart. And I've carried that. And that's, you know, that's soul like that that That's hit soul. my soul so what, you're, de- what yeah. you're describing there is a soulful experience not yeah. a spiritual as in it took you out of the moment that was a soulful i am mm-hmm. connected there's that bird and here's the drips of water and here's this mm-hmm. i'm a part of this whole thing I mean, obviously these are not two pure distinct you know they are going to mm-hmm. overlap soulfulness and spirituality mm-hmm. but that spirituality is that sense of i am floating above all the pain you could have been rowing in that canoe and had a heartache mm-hmm. you didn't leave your heartache behind when you saw the heron mm-hmm. or when you heard the drips it's like i have a heartache and this bird is beautiful mm-hmm. and those drips are brilliant mm-hmm. and i ache mm-hmm. spirituality is more of a Ah, I don't feel it for a while. Just for a little while, I don't feel it. And therefore, I feel just brilliant. It's like um, um, just a respite for a while, maybe. Mm -hmm. Also important. Uh, We're not comparing and contrasting one is bad and one is good. Both Mm -hmm. are necessary. 
but I think sometimes when we talk about religion, when we talk about soul and spirit, what comes up are those moments of just, oh, this is going to make me feel better. I'm going to all of a sudden feel happy. I, when I get this prayer right, when I, when I understand my Enneagram, when I get to know me, when I find this oneness and union, I'm going to feel that way all the time. And therefore there will be no more grief. There will be no more sorrow. There Christianity has actually said this, like when there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more tears. No, 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 no. A soulful life still has tears. It's still, because that's what allows us to connect with each other. Well, and also like we talked before about how um, getting out of our day-to-day can give us a respite from that day-to-day. And then we come back to it with a freshness. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's that. Yeah. There, there is a, um, a a story that's told in the Christian tradition that is just <laughs> so I laugh at it every time. And I've probably heard it a hundred times, if not more in my lifetime. But there's a story about Jesus, like doing his stuff, you know, he's and he, and he has these really close friends. And he's like, hey, I, I, I kind of want to hang with you. Will you go with me? Let's go up on this mountaintop, which, you know, it wasn't like the Rocky Mountains. It was like a little hill you know but but let's go up here and just get away from it all just for a little while and let's connect and let's just breathe that's spirituality that's we're gonna leave town we're gonna leave work we're gonna leave all this behind us and just genuinely be together and let go just let go for a while well they get up to the mountaintop and the story goes these three friends of his uh very close friends who are also disciples are sitting there and all of a sudden they see jesus glow I think that happens. I I really don't doubt that part of the story because have you ever been with somebody who just looks radiant when they finally just let go of all the cares of the world and there's nothing? It's like, yes, we all glow. When we're able to put shit down for a while, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you look, somebody would look at me and say, oh, you look younger. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Your skin Mm -hmm. looks so good. I don't know what it is, but, but glowing. So these these they were guys in the story there may have been girls i don't know but the story as it goes there were guys and they see jesus and all of a sudden they see some of the ancestors with him the story goes like moses was there but you know but what you do i don't think that's factually true but what they do is they see this connection to all of life i do believe that part of the story is true it's like oh in this moment i could see where we came from and the heritage and the tradition that we bring and isn't it amazing and they're all sitting around and that Jesus is great. Okay, uh, let's go back now. And they're like, no. no. <laughs> these, these guys are like, no, actually, that's, we were talking, and we think we'd like to pitch a tent and just live here mm-hmm. forever, and we could hang out with you. Wouldn't it be cool? Like, we could order out, mm-hmm. you know, and we could, mm-hmm. we, yeah. we could run to town for supplies, And but let's just pitch a tent here. God, if I haven't had those moments of mm-hmm. just feeling so blissed out and mm. happy and it's like i just want to live here Dad, i gotta go back mm. i gotta go back to my job i gotta go back to you know cleaning the toilet and oh i just i had to work on the anal gland of my dog this morning <laughs> you know those things are not pleasant but they're part of life so that's where soulfulness comes in is what are the practices that we have not to hang on to that experience and hold our breath until the next one comes mm-hmm. 
Because I think that's what we do too, is like we just go on these big things that make us feel all blissed out and then we just can't wait for the next one. So we Mm -hmm. begrudgingly do our life, which just makes us feel more frustrated and anxious and irritated and isolated and independent. And it it feeds the non-soul part of it, it feeds the ego part of us. It feeds the, you know, the world is a really messed up place and Mm -hmm. I'm messed up. So in Instead of just waiting for those mountaintop experience, what do we do to tend the soul in between? Indeed, what a good question that is. What do we do to tend our soul in between? Thanks for joining us here on Meanderings with Trudy, the podcast with Angie Arndt. We are covering a lot of ground here today, and we're, we're looking at soulfulness, And how does this relate to the Enneagram? How can the Enneagram help us? And that's where we're going to now. Please stay with us as we meander along through, well, all these different trails. And that's where the Enneagram actually is a way of teaching. I'm going to draw the Enneagram in because we promised. This is an Enneagram uh, episode after all. We would talk about that. (laughs) Um. I can't tell you how many times that people have come here to work with us and had a mountaintop experience. For them, it's getting away. You know, for me, I'm still at home. But <laughs> for a lot of people, it's getting away for a weekend of, and it is, it's like this, oh my gosh, this is who I am. And oh my gosh, this is the soul. And oh my gosh, this life really is beautiful and messed up. And so there's all these pops going on, all these ahas. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes at the end of the weekend, people will say, well, now what? What do I do yeah. with this? What do yeah. I do with what I've learned? What do I do with what I've heard? What do I I understand that I am a type seven, but now what do I do? Mm-hmm. And that's where the Enneagram teaching in and of itself just opens up the door for something else. And that's where the soulfulness, like why don't you go home and pay attention to mm-hmm. these habits that you've come onto and Maybe go for an intentional walk and let's see the greens. Notice how the greens change from baby green to adolescent green to summer green, grown up green to yeah. dead green to the fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, pay attention to that. Breathe it in. Look at it. Talk about it. So I'm kind of meandering as we do here, but the Enneagram in and of itself stops at the teaching part because it is a teaching. But when you combine it with the practices of presence and being in the moment, a.k.a. soul, you can go, you can come here. You can go to other places too. I'm not just pointing here, but you can come here and and learn whether it's across the screen or whether it's in person to have these aha moments and then be given practice and support for the care of the soul at home. How can I be mindful of, I'm trying to rush through this so I can get onto something else, Mm. or I'm withdrawing from other people around me so that they don't irritate me or I am just moving fast to get shit done Mm -hmm. and it's really hurting my relationships it's Mm -hmm. the Enneagram opens up an opportunity and a possibility to care for the soul so that we might be more not just more comfortable in our own skin but more capable of being compassionate for ourselves, of being compassionate with each other, of having healthier relationships in the moment and not just waiting for things to get better. 
we're not waiting for the next mountaintop or waiting for somebody else to show up or waiting or waiting or waiting or waiting. Mm-hmm. It's how do we be human? And I, with a capital H, and by human, I don't mean assholes. I mean, and, and we are. There, there, you know, we often teach there are nine ways to be an asshole. But um, how do we be fully human? How do we be imperfectly perfect in this moment and learn things like, and we've talked about this before, like mm-hmm. forgiveness, about paying attention, about gra- true blue gratitude. Mm-hmm. And that's where things like ritual and practice and other things come in. So we have the teaching aha spiritual moments and then we have the practices that Mm -hmm. help us remind ourselves that these days of ours are numbered these days of ours are wondrous these days of ours are shitty and yet they are all such a gift Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and when we are able to remember all of that we show up differently we sure do and and as you say we we shine there's that part of us yeah that can shine yeah. In it, I, I talked about shining from the mountaintop experience point of view, you know, the spiritual point of view and that pure, oh, this feels so good to unburden. It just feels so good to breathe and be away. Yeah. But there's a different kind of a shine that comes in the everyday paying attention to maybe precious is a word. I don't, maybe yeah, I, I don't think there's one word for it, but precious and beautiful and wondrous and gift and sacred. All, all those words point to this moment as being maybe a blessing. And when you not cognitively see it that way, I'm trying to give it a label. It's like a head thing. Like I'm going mm-hmm. to my head to try to find the right word, but I don't know that there is a right word. It's a connection to this moment Mm -hmm. and when i feel connected to this moment i feel connected to the people in it but not in a way that i'm actually thinking about it's an experience it's like my my body relaxes in that moment too Mm -hmm. probably not as intensely as it does when i'm on a retreat or you know away from my day-to-day life but this is a, a simpler smaller i relax when i see this when I see those dirty dishes as a reminder that um, I had friends over for a piece of rhubarb crumble yesterday mm-hmm. yeah. and what a gift that is. And now I'm washing the dishes and conjuring them up or in, also in the moment conjuring up my grandma who taught me how to make that rhubarb right. crumble. That was a sign of spring and it always came right around Mother's Day mm. and how my dad always talked about how that was his favorite thing. So as I'm washing the dishes, the ancestors come back to me. My friends come back to me. I wonder if my daughter will make rhubarb crumble for her kids. I mean, mm-hmm. she lives in Phoenix and there's not a, an abundance of rhubarb in that part of the world. But right. So and and you just you're just aware of the connection. Who mm-hmm. planted the rhubarb that grows in our yard? I don't know. Mm-hmm. How long has it been? I tell you, it's been a long time. It's a big, huge bush. Yeah. But. But you just feel so, and there's a a shine that comes from that. And I bet that you know what that feels like. I think everybody's experienced that at one time. Mm -hmm. But do we tend to it? Do we we, pay attention? Do we tend to it? Do we make space for it? Because it's not something that you can control. It's something that you can practice. Mm -hmm. But it's not something that you can force to show up. 
you can only make the environment available to that. Right. Like it's it's like soul. The care of the soul re- really requires slowing down, paying attention, noticing the texture and color of things. Um, you know all those things. And but if you do them as a checklist, it it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So you do them in snips and chunks like five minutes here and 10 minutes here and then pretty soon it just happens Mm -hmm. it it just happens and something and it and it too starts it lasts for just a minute or so and then you get back to being in a hurry and then complaining about goddamn dishes and you know yeah stupid rhubarb that you know god that's like a big weed and gonna have to cut that back and exactly and oh god i need to call my dad and that's one more thing and and then it happens so we practice and the more we practice these things which again the enneagram points towards the things that we need to pay attention to Mm -hmm. in our own selves right it's not a prescriptive it's here's who i am and here's what i really could pay attention to Mm -hmm. because of what i learned here and what i experienced here Mm -hmm. So for anybody to say, well, if you're an Enneagram two, here's what you need to do. And if you're an Enneagram six, here's what you need to do. That's not true. Mm-hmm. It's a start. It's a start. But then it's so specific to the person. Mm-hmm. So how does you, you often say, how does this, what does this look like in you? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the really um, big awareness raising things for me was um, when you and Peter were talking about, you know, so it's. It's important to know your own home base. That's, that's absolutely. Fine. But how yeah. do the other eight types show up in you? Where mm-hmm. is where is my what does what does the five the investigator look like in me? What does the yeah. eight the challenger look like in me? What does the nine the yeah. peacemaker look like in me? You know, if yeah. I can find my three, if I can find my inner seven, what does it look like in me? Because it's going to show up differently in me than in you. Yeah. And how does it serve me? Yeah. Right. It, it it really is, as we say, an awareness raising um, practice. Yeah. To to pay attention to how I be, and yeah. and and then how does that how does that serve me? Do I like it? Does it does it help benefit? Yeah. Um, yeah. The world around me, or is there something that I might consider doing differently? Yeah. Rather than this um, loop of habit. And it is a loop of habit, and it's so unaware. Mm-hmm. It's so Absolutely. unaware, yeah. which I I keep laughing. You know, gosh, I've been teaching this thing for, I don't know, 15, 20 years now. And every time I teach, whether it's a whether it's some deep, you know, uh, soulfulness of the Enneagram and the holy ideas, the old, the old, old, old traditional teachings, or a brand new, intro- here's, here's the types, a, mm-hmm. a basic introduction to the, or relationships, any of those different things, every time I teach the Enneagram, I'm reminded of something in myself that could use some attention mm-hmm. every single time. Right. And so the Enneagram to me is both a practice of spirituality of, oh my gosh, there's something that is almost like a light bulb goes off in your head that explodes throughout my body because it gets all tingly and my heart bursts or shuts down (laughs) one or the other but there's an awareness of oh that's right this is what you do when you're scared this is what you do when you don't uh, trust things or here's what you do when you're angry and here's here's the things that you automatically do and i'm like oh that's right Mm. i forgot yeah 
And then I can go back to those practices of paying attention to that. It doesn't change it. Like I can't change that hardwired pattern, but I can be aware of when I want to really overdo it. I can be aware of when I just want to, for me, it's, it's making light of something it, it, for anyone who has a whole lot of type seven energy. Like that's your home base when you're stressed or when you feel uncomfortable, your, your hardwired thing is to be flippant, to make a joke, to lighten the thing, to make everybody happy so that things aren't uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I do it all the time. I do it every day. Mm -hmm. I can catch myself in that moment though mm -hmm. and say, Oh, wait a second. This is too serious. Let's don't, let's, let's don't make light of this. Or I can apologize and say, I'm sorry, that was inappropriate. Mm -hmm. And I can go back to giving the space for things to happen that need to happen without trying to make it better. Mm -hmm. um, when I do that, when I'm aware of that, when I'm doing that, there, here comes this light. I think the light of spirituality, the light of going away is like this bright, like beaming, like, ugh. like I said, you look 10 years younger and, mm -hmm. you know, oh, were you on vacation? Did you get a tan? Like, what, what, is, what is that? You look did you so... Did do something with your hair? Did you, did you get a facelift? I don't know. You look amazing. Um, but the soulfulness light is different. It's like a warmth. It's mm -hmm. like a... It may not even be a glow on your skin. You you may still look actually really tired. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a warmth. And I know that anytime I'm around somebody, I could be standing in line at the post office waiting to buy some stamps. And there's somebody in front of me that I could only say exudes soul. There's not a halo around their head. There's not light beams coming out of their eyeballs or their ears. But there's this sense of groundedness or peacefulness or mm -hmm. something. Calm, balance. Calm. And they could have all sorts of crap going on in their lives. They might mm -hmm. be dealing with, you know, somebody who's in the hospital mm -hmm. or their kids yeah. are flunking out of school or yeah. they're going to lose their job. Yeah. But it's how they're holding it that somehow. Exactly. It's and that is a continual practice. That's not something yeah. you, it's not a one and done. Yeah. It is a continual practice. So they're standing there and you know what? It's contagious. I believe that the care of the soul, that that soulfulness, that groundedness, that connection is just as contagious as anger. It's just as contagious as anxiety. Yeah. It is just as contagious as fearfulness mm -hmm. and worry. It's just as contagious. Well, yeah, we we know this, right? Because I know. those of us who've been parents know that if if we've had a bad day and we come home and our we have little ones at home, yeah, and we're we're in that agitated, grumpy, angry space, then the evening's kind of gonna go that way unless you get a handle on how that is inside of you because you're just creating mm -hmm. these waves that other people get hit by, yeah. And you know, we know when a child is agitated, the if you can pick them up and hold them, or if you can oh, do something that creates that calm for them, then yeah. in a minute or two, that they'll yeah. they'll join you in that space. So we we know this from from our own lived experiences as children, from our lived experiences as parents. Like, oh, I love that analogy, Trudy. Because what happened was, if you approach that child, here's what. Gosh, what a great example. If you approach that child, like I'm going to take away your. I'm yeah. going to make it better for I'm you. I'm going to make it better. And you just mm -hmm. put them in a bear hug because you're going to make it better, but your body's tense. 
and you're coming at it with worry and anxiety yourself, it doesn't work. The kid wrestles and struggles and, and fights to get out of it, but you know you're supposed to hug them, that this is what... Mm-hmm. But if you can breathe and say, you know what, I'm kind of scared too. Mm-hmm. How would you like to just crawl up on my lap for a while? That's right. Yeah. There's a different, there's, it's a different yeah. quality. It's a different you're, intent. Yeah, you're creating and I that don't, feeling, that space, that whatever, for whatever it is that they need that's going to help them calm. But if you were coming at it from that place of calm within yourself, yeah, it it goes out of you and making these sort yeah. of wave or circular motions, but, but it, yeah. it, it, it emanates and others yeah. pick up on it. They do. They absolutely yeah. do. And we know that to be true. We know that to be true. I know. I think of the times that you and I have even talked and maybe this is also a difference between spirituality and like spirituality is that I'm, you know, just going to breathe and be Zen. And mm-hmm. well, again, we need that. We need those times. But there are also times when we show up for each other and say, what's weighing on you right now? Mm. What's a high and what's a low? Yeah. And we share those without the other person trying to one up, without the other person trying to fix it, without, and we just share it. And all of a sudden it feels like there's a connection there that, and again, if we go back to the Enneagram, those Enneagram awarenesses, Again, I'm going to come back to me because it's the easiest example I know. When I've been a smart ass, when I've been moving too fast, when things, when my <laughs> when my life looks like my desk drawer, yeah. all cluttered and frenzied, and I can't find anything, and I feel anxious about it. Anxiety mm-hmm. is my go-to uh, emotion as a as being hardwired and grounded in that seven. That's an enneagram teaching, but anxiety is who I go to, where I go mm-hmm. to, because I'm me, mm-hmm. and that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can come to you and say, I have, I've been, my high is that I'm excited about, my high is that this is going on, my high is that I have friends who came over for rhubarb, it's such a great thing. My low is that I feel really anxious. My low is that I feel really anxious, this is going on with me and I'm waiting for this. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, I came inside, the dogs had eight ticks on them this morning and that's, oh man, what if they get... Anxiety is a part of yeah. my life. It's a part of the world we live in. Mm-hmm. When I can name it with somebody who's simply going to sit there with their feet down, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, man, it, it doesn't change the fact that I'm mm-hmm. still worried about the dogs, that I still feel mm-hmm. a little stressed out about any number of things. Yeah. But for whatever reason, it gives me a sense of soul. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the only word I can think of for it is that there's a soulfulness to life, even when it feels like it's in the shitter, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or even when it feels like things are going wrong, or even yeah. when I'm anxious, or mm-hmm. and it slows it down and says, you know what? Thanks. Have you ever been told thanks for listening and you didn't say do anything? anything? Yeah, no, you just yeah. yeah. Indeed. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for sticking with us to this point on Meanderings with Trudy, the podcast with Angie Arndt. You know, this Enneagram thing, it really is a doorway. It's a portal into the pause, into awareness about who we be, so that we can live a rich life in positive relationship with those that we love and those we care about in the world that we live in. Anyway, Angie and I are so grateful that you're still with us here, and we're just getting ready to wrap up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, you 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 talked earlier about how we often start our conversations with laughter and coffee mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And today, we each came at the space with um, uh, sort of a, a a you know a small trailer load of things that have got us all scattered yeah. and worked up. And yeah. and I said, can we just pause for a second and put our feet down? Yeah. And can we breathe just a little bit? I mean, yeah. these are the things, these are the practices that become, have become woven into the fabric of how I bring myself back to me. Yeah. Back to my yeah. balance. And I don't, I don't always need to start there, but there are sometimes when I, as a, as a, I'm aware that I'm scattered to the seven winds. And if I'm going to be able to tend to this space with you, I need to land. Yeah. Uh, and energetically, I could feel that you felt the same. And so yeah. that's what we did. And it, uh, again, the awareness and the practice, this is where the Enneagram is a tool and Enneagram is a practice. And the yes. practice is filled in with all of these additional components to it that help us to get to the space where I say, you know what, I'm scattered in the seven winds. I just need to calm down. Can we just put our feet down and breathe for a sec? Yeah. Who I can't remember which teacher it was, whether it was Thich Nhat Hanh or I, I think it was, but I'm not completely sure about this. However, I'm going to quote it that says on those days when, when you don't think you have 20 minutes to meditate, and I'm going to substitute meditate with mindfulness practice, whether that's a journaling practice or a sitting practice or a walk. When you don't have 20 minutes to meditate, that's the day you should do it for an hour. Yeah. Or not should. It, it wasn't should. It was you need to do it for an hour. Yeah. Um, and that seems so counterintuitive, but it's so true. Yeah. No, my list it's is so long true. today. I don't have a lot of time. I must get this all done. I must. Mm. And it's true. Oh, it's true. Well, I the was... facts on the ground are there. I mean, that's yeah. that's all true. But again, we, we talked before about how it's how you hold it. And when you can hold it with a sense of spaciousness, then all those things, they're, they're less heavy. But how yeah. do you get to the sense of spaciousness if not by creating the space? Yeah. And, here, and that goes back to, well, I'm going to go away on this mountain retreat and I'm going to get sparked and then I'm going to come back and do my lists and listen, listen, get through, be rejuvenated. Get through, get through. Yeah. I'm going to be rejuvenated and then I'm going to go, go, go. And they get mm-hmm. so angry and bitchy. And at least myself, when this happens to me, angry and bitchy, bitter, I can get bitter. I can get frustrated. I can be anxious, but here in two months, I'm going to go on that other retreat. Or I'm going to go on vacation or I'm going to do this thing that, and we just grind our teeth and we just put our feet down and we try and go faster and faster and faster. And that, sucks our soul dry and you know i'm just a firm believer that we all have a soul that our relationships have soul that our work in the world has soul that the communities we live in have soul and that's a a quality that is that we can't see that we can't label that we can't put our fingers around it's it is light Mm -hmm. and i mean light as in radiant i mean light as in buoyant I mean, light as a way that we come into life, not frivolously light, not dismissively light, Mm -hmm. but light as in it doesn't feel like a burden. And sometimes then when it does feel like a burden, then we can share. And so there's this soulful quality about our own selves that when it's 
uncluttered like my desk, when it when it is less cluttered in us, we simply radiate and our and the way we show up for life on any given day, whether it's to mop out the bathroom floor or whether it's to lead a meeting at a corporate, you know, a Fortune 50 company or whether pull, it's pull to picks off a golden retriever. Picks off of a golden retriever, <laughs> no matter what it is, there yeah. is a soulfulness about that. And by soulful, I just mean connected. I mean this matters. Because what we do really does matter. Yeah. It's not something to be grudgingly gone through a drudgery just so we can get to that next hit of spirituality yeah so when we approach those things and we can't do it and it won't ever be perfect i mean there's those moments that you catch yourself going oh goddamn dogs and ticks and this is taking me away from i gotta go to that meeting and this is mm-hmm. we're gonna do that because we are human beings mm-hmm. and then you stop mm-hmm. compassion grace compassion for ourselves each other always uh, yeah. i i think it's i think it's near impossible to have compassion for others give grace to others if you don't have that space inside yourself yeah one of the complaints that i hear about the enneagram from colleagues who are still in the uh, religious teaching field um, is that the enneagram is a navel-gazing exercise. The Enneagram is uh, self-indulgent. The Enneagram is narcissistic. Like it is focusing on the the betterment of me. Mm -hmm. There is some truth to that. I think there are people who do approach it that way. Like I'm just going to make myself better. Like I'm going to learn these things and I'm going to approach the Enneagram and I'm going to be a better person. That's a different topic for a different day. But how I address that sort of thing is like, here's where religious teachings, here's where religious traditions, and it's not just Christianity, there are, pick one, have told us that our lives are about tending to the other. It's about doing good. And it's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. We are here to make this world a little bit better than when we came into the world like by the time we leave hopefully it will be a little bit better but the thing is is that we can't do that unless we are showing up as as uncluttered as possible we but we can turn religion we can turn spirituality we can turn soulfulness into a project that we're just going to be better at Mm. so how in the world can we show up to um to help help the world around us shine whether that's in our families or in our communities, unless we have that shine ourselves so it's real. And that mm-hmm. means getting to know ourselves. That means getting to know our hiccups. That means getting to know the the stuff that gets in our way. That means getting to know ourselves as having soul, as having shine. And when we start to shine, that's when it becomes contagious. Mm-hmm. Is what you're pointing at the difference between doing versus being? Yes, Absolutely. Because it's, it's this is a real nuance, right? This is a real nuance. Oh, it's so it's such a fine line. It's such a fine line because we there are things that we have to do in the world. I mean, there are things that we need to learn. There, there are sure there are in the functioning activities. of my life. But when I think of myself coming from the two space, mm-hmm. um, I can do love. I can oh, I yeah. can I can give a card. I can 
um, I can look after someone who's sick. I can make mm -hmm. a meal. And this is all with the intention of showing my love for you right. as opposed to being love, which right. is different. It might, it might include all of those other things. It absolutely right. could, right. but it's about the intention that I'm doing it with when, when I'm, when I'm splicing that nuance in myself. So I'm not doing it so that you see me as someone who's supportive of you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm doing it maybe because I see a need, but it's also just right. A, an open-handed generosity. Right. I believe the Enneagram lets us see that it's not what we do or how we do it. It's why we're doing it. Yeah. So what I can then notice because of this ancient teaching, I can then notice when I'm doing it because I really just want some attention mm -hmm. because I think I'm supposed to do it because, mm -hmm. because some message from some adult parent figure in my life a long time ago told me that this is what a good girl does, mm -hmm. or this is what a successful man is about, or here's what, and, and we've gotten those messages from all the, from schools and from coaches and from mm -hmm. churches and from synagogues and from neighbors and from parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles all our life about what we're supposed to be. That's part of our formation. I mean, that's, that's how we grow, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there comes a time when we need to know what is that soul in me? What am, what, what are my gifts? You know what? I actually hate baking. I don't I actually love baking, but it, it, I could say, you know, but I really don't like baking pie. I don't want to take that person a pie just because it's what my mom did or my grandmother did or, what yes. if I wanted to invite the new neighbors for a walk around the neighborhood because I like to walk? What if what if I wanted to take them to a concert? Or what if I wanted to, what if that's my thing? What if baking isn't my thing? The Enneagram can expose and does expose a lot what the messages are. Mm -hmm. The internal messages the internal and the messages. motivations for why you're doing that behavior. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you get that hit of here's why I'm doing it, I'm doing it really because I want people to like me or I want to be successful or I or what. Right. Then the Enneagram is narcissistic. It can appear narcissistic because I just want to be better. Mm -hmm. But really what happens in those moments for a lot of people, for most people, is that um, there's there's a sense of, oh, God, I'm doing that again. There, there can be shame. Mm -hmm. There can be embarrassment. There can be all kinds of things mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. pop up. Right. And then we have practices and people to show us again, mm -hmm. to say, you know what? You're human. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and right. just to give you a, a, an example from the inside of me, one of, mm -hmm. one of the things that um, I know I can do mm -hmm. is, uh, is gift giving when there's no reason. Because yeah. I want you to like me. It's a way that I feel safe. It's getting your acceptance, getting your love yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. is a way that I feel safe within myself. And so particularly when someone is, um, I'm not sure if they like me. Yeah. I know that I can go to, well, I should get them some flowers or I should there, maybe there's something here that I can give them that would help them. Yeah. And now that I'm onto myself, when I feel that coming up, not always. Mm -hmm. but more than half the time now I can catch myself and go, yeah. is this the right circumstance for that? Yeah. Or is just being present to them enough? Like just being yeah. there. It, yeah. You know, so I can, I can 
in in those moments of mm-hmm. wanting to be accepted, I can also ask myself, in what way do I not feel like I belong? Yeah. And can I give that to myself so that I don't need to to grasp it, to seek it, to create it for myself, yeah. right? And so, uh, once again, trying to stitch together, stitch in our Enneagram experiences here and how it's a practice because it is a practice of awareness of who I be. It's a practice of awareness of how does how I be um, fall into this situation and what do I think is going to be supportive here? What's, you know, and then choose. And sometimes I choose to give the gift because it feels right. And sometimes I can go, no, I don't actually need to do that right now. I can just show up because I am enough. Yeah. And, and we can be enough in nine different ways. That's just how it feels from the inside of it too. Yeah. Of this too. Yeah. (laughs) What's so funny is that, you know, as, as we keep wrestling with this over the last few months, Mm -hmm. that as we talk, it's such a heady exploration and it has to be like we're we're using words and we're using examples and sure, we're, but let's be clear. Um, I was speaking from my heart. I could. Oh feel no, no, no! That. I know yeah. that. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so we do that, but but we're trying to grasp words in things that, as you're talking about that, you know, gift giving and everything. What I have a sense from you is genuinely from the heart. And when you do that, boy, listeners, I wish you could watch us in this moment because, <laughs> as when I I have known Trudy for a long time now. And when Trudy shows up with a gift, I know that she has put thought into this. The Richard Wagamese book that you have quoted, you know, a number of times here on the podcast. I remember the day you walk into my office and you had that book and you said, I think of you when I read this book. I thought, so it wasn't just a here, you need to read this. You're going to love it. Mm -hmm. It was I think of you when I read this book. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I want to share this with you. Mm -hmm. And you were giving me a piece of you. You weren't giving me a book. You were giving me something that was a part of your life Mm -hmm. that said I, it was a connection. Yeah. That is the gift of the two. That is the gift of you. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, the Enneagram gives us a way into that conversation, the way into that awareness by making us curious, by opening up our brains to say, here's my type. Here's what I do. Here's what that is. Am I, do I do this? Do I? So we wonder and our brains get cranking. But as we do that with um, practice of soulful connection, our hearts can actually open up so that we can be more authentic in the, how we're showing up and our bodies start to relax so that that shine comes through. When we practice the opposite way, so Enneagram teaching is head, heart, body. Mm-hmm. But when we practice the opposite way, sometimes just body for no reason at all, for not for learning, for, but just to be present, mm-hmm. it also opens our hearts and opens our brains in a different way to just be curious about life as it is around us. Yeah. So those teaching moments go head, heart, and body, relax. Maybe that's the spirituality. That's the aha of... And then the opposite is true, too. When we practice at home, the soulfulness, the soulfulness is just body, heart. And then we can just be with our heads about just life itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know if that made sense or not. No, the, the, the what's coming yeah. up for me is is the information superhighway. Maybe not information, but information yeah. not in the the knowledge yeah. sense, but in the in the wisdom sense. And the, the when these three are connected, yeah. when these three are aligned Absolutely. with one another, yeah. there is a knowledge that there's a I, knowledge is such. A, it's not the right word, but there's a wisdom. There's a there's a knowing. There's a there's a all is right and aligned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as it should be exactly in this moment. And then we're going to lose it again. And that's Absolutely. okay. That's okay. And then okay. you're going to go back to doing whatever you do. Yeah. But you yeah. keep coming back. You keep coming back. You keep yeah. coming back. That's a, that is a mindfulness. That is the ancient mindfulness practice, regardless of whether it's a walking practice or a writing practice or yeah. a sitting practice or a breathing practice or a whatever kind of practice from whatever kind of tradition, all of them point to, it's not about getting it perfect. It's not about achieving some blissed out, zenned out sort of state of being where you just float through life. What it is, is having moments of connection mm -hmm. to washing the dishes, to pulling the ticks, to baking a pie. Mm -hmm. You have moments of connection and then it leaves. Mm -hmm. Then you catch yourself when it leaves and say, oh, that's right. I'm baking this pie mm -hmm. because you're going to leave seriously all the time. Mm -hmm. So if you only come back once or twice in an hour, that's a great start. But the old masters who have been doing this for a long time come back to the moment thousands of times in an hour. It's about coming back. It's not about getting to. Yeah. Yeah. And the Enneagram starts us on that path, kicks us on that path. A lot of us have already started, but the Enneagram kicks you farther down the line of, yeah. how can I come back? What are the triggers that take me away? Mm -hmm. And when I come back, what is that sensation that I'm coming back to? It feels like home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. soul is home. I believe soul is home. Yeah. So I'm feeling like that's a good place to pause. I'm feeling that it is too. And uh, and say, uh, is is there anything more that you'd like to add? Because I always ask. You do. Mm -hmm. No, there's not. Yeah. It feels complete. And we're smiling right now. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny how that works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know these aren't easy conversations. People want downloads of information. I want to know what the two is all about. Give me those details, all of that. And what we're trying to show you through stories and through sharing our own experiences is what we can do, how we make the Enneagram a practice that yeah. can be brought into your, into your everyday life. Um, yeah. Yes, it sits on the information and you can get that information from any number of places. The Enneagram Institute is probably the best place to start. Mm. Uh, the Wisdom of the Enneagram as a book is is the one that we trust perhaps the most out of any other resources that are there. But really, it's it's bringing it into your life and making it a something that you pay attention mm -hmm. to with awareness and non-judgment and kindness. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's the invitation. If you have any questions about what we have, you know, sort of meandered around today, we'd love to hear them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, um, oh, I noticed on the little the little light up map that I get with uh, with Simplecast, the the host that we have mm -hmm. had a new listener on the uh, the northeastern coast of Australia. 
So that was a oh. new light up this this week. So hey, wow. that's fun. I hope Hello. you're I hope you're still with us. <laughs> that's amazing. Tokyo's still there. I gotta say, yeah. Oh, and Hello, so Tokyo. Yeah, and Finland. Anyway, great places. My friend Maggie in Scotland has been listening oh, yeah. regularly. Um, tons of people throughout North America. It's it's really uh, a pleasure to see the the little gold light ups on my on my world map that says, hey, there yeah. are people here listening, and yeah. and. That's awesome. So let's let's keep doing that. So please share, um, yeah. give us a review, give us some, throw us some stars, whatever whatever it is. I mean, Angie and aren't Angie and I aren't necessarily the technical people that uh, can help you yeah. with all of that. But we we do believe in having these conversations and spreading them out. We do. Our next yeah. one is going to be about how acceptance leads to joy, oh, and that'll yeah. be coming down the pipe in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh, just a little heads up that we will be taking a hiatus as of the end of June, um, maybe earlier. I'm not really sure. We'll see how things yeah. go um, in both Angie's and my lives. It, it may be right to, you know, settle a little bit earlier. Yeah. I'm not really sure. We'll see what how things unfold. Yeah. But um, I will uh, I will post a bunch of recasts through the summer so there will be uh, material flowing from us and then we'll be maybe back at it again in the fall so yeah just a little yeah. heads up that that's coming down the pipe good um, stuff yeah good yeah stuff. so shoot us a note to meanderingswithtrudy at gmail.com if you have anything yeah. you want to ask us about or comment on uh, we'd yeah. love to hear from you yeah. thanks yeah. Trudy hey thank you good to, ch- good to meander with you this morning I didn't even finish my coffee. You didn't finish your coffee. (laughs) Ah, you know, it's just the beginning of the day. There's more time and more coffee. I know. All right. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Hey, I love you big. I love you big. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Nice.